Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and we're going to go to through verse 30. Just hold your fingers there. Um, if you're wondering what I'm going to be ministering on this morning, I'm kind of staying in the vein. Um, I really, truly felt led to get into talking about the vision of this church, what we believe, what we teach, what we're all about, our DNA, why we tick, the reason we established this ministry. Um, it's summed up in a few words on the side lights of the door before you walk in. It says, reach up. Everybody say, reach up, reach forward, and reach out. Come on, somebody, reach up. Come on, reach up with your hand. Reach forward and reach out. Oh, yeah, you could do it that way. You can go sideways. That's a good one. So for the past several weeks, we've been talking about this whole reach up thing, which um, gives a connotation of being intimate with Jesus Christ. Like, that's our foundation. That's our DNA. We're about uh, being a church, about his presence. I think that's a church name. Let me reword that. We're all about his spirit. We're all about intimacy with Jesus because the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom and all its righteousness and everything else would be added. So your relationship with Jesus must be first. We're a place of encounter, a place of identity, relationship, sonship. I love that, don't you? So as I'm building on that foundation, I felt led to get into the second phase, uh, which is reaching forward. Everybody say reach forward. Now, this is probably my favorite series that I'm going to get into, and it's going to be comprised of several different messages, at least three or four. And uh, the reason is because as a young man, I lived my life very purposeless and not purposeful. Got linked up with the wrong people, and so I know what it's like to exist instead of live. I know what it's like to engage in the wrong relationships and go through the mundane things of just working and maybe just going to church and not being totally fulfilled. And so I have a, a burning message in my heart, um, and I'll give you the title in just a minute. But sharing the vision of this church is so, so important. I think I shared with you guys the other day, Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Everybody say the people perish. So I felt led as the, as, the, as the lead pastor to share this vision so that you guys understand what you're running with and who you're running with. Amen? Because without a vision, the people perish. Uh, recently, as a matter of fact, it was Friday. I was um, in downtown Orlando. Is it the CFL building? What is that building called? It's a large high rise there. I was on the fourth floor. Uh, Foundry Commercial is taking over this particular building. Um, CNL. Is it the CNL building? Yes, that's what it was. It was, I guess it's a bank. I was on the fourth floor. I was working with some um, architects and um, we were kind of chatting. And as I walked through one of the rooms, there was a sign on the door. And here's what the sign said. And it was a quote by Henry Ford. And it says this, vision without execution is just hallucination. Talking funny because my, my just took out these teeth and... This Invisalign, I'm, I'm learning to, to talk. It says, vision without execution is just hallucination. In other words, if you talk about things, if you just have a dream and don't do anything to fulfill it or do the practical works to get to your expectant end, you're just hallucinating. You're just dreaming. And so we as a church, we want to just not just talk about it, but we want to be about it. Amen? Somebody say, I want to be about it. 
So as I get into this, I want you to read this with me in Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. Powerful, powerful scripture. Most of you, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard about the story of the talents. And it says this, starting at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey, meaning the owner of that uh, particular, uh, the gentleman over the servants there, he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and bought five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So I want somebody to say, Lord, make me faithful. Make me faithful over the little that you give me. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That is key. I want you guys to remember this statement. Enter the joy of your Lord. Everybody say that. Enter the joy of your Lord. And I'll get back to that, but I want you to remember that statement. Then he who had received one talent came to him and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Pretty harsh. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back with my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and he will be cast and this unprofitable servant would be cast into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty harsh scripture. Recently, we were in Guatemala and we were driving in a region that was called um, Section 3 or Zone 3. Zone 3. Uh, in that particular region, Zone 3 is the worst area of that region. And I don't know if you've seen on the video, but there was an elderly lady, probably 60, 65, 70 maybe, and she was sifting through the garbage. The smell was so putrid, um, to describe it would turn my stomach. And she was gathering leftovers that had been thrown away. What's shocking to me is there, are not, there is not a whole lot of waste in Guatemala um, they don't throw away gallon buckets like we do. Even if they've been used, they don't throw away toilet paper. They use that uh, for sanitary purposes. They, everything that's there is used up. So I can't imagine what this lady was extracting from this dump. 
Now, we were going to bring the team into this area with us to go minister to people. However, they wouldn't let us in. Um, the gentleman who was leading our missions team, his name was Manny, wonderful man of God. He had done amazing. He was going to bring us into um, the place, and but the only way to get inside would have been to come around the backside of this um, dump site. The problem was, is we had someone with us that was kind of struggling and had some bad mosquito bites. She had to go to the hospital while she was there, and so we didn't want to run any risk of any further damage because in order to get to the dump site, you had to go through a graveyard. The problem with the graveyard is, is it was so, um, there's such decay around there that the water had actually turned acidic. And as I was thinking about this graveyard, I don't know how many have been to a graveyard. Um, there was ladies with us. If it were just the gentlemen, I probably would have ended up doing it just because I'm pretty adventurous. As I've sent videos to you guys, you can only imagine your pastor off camera. I'm, I'm pretty brave. And I, I wanted to do this, but the problem was is there was a really huge risk going through this graveyard because a lot of them were dug up. The people of that region would dig up the corpse and pull the clothing off the body and watches and jewelry and resell it so that they can make a living and support and feed their families. I've been to graveyards before, and I've um, you know, been a part of many funerals, unfortunately. And um, when I go there, I, I, I'm super grieved. And I don't think I'm, I'm grieved because people are necessarily dying, because I think that's a natural, unfortunately, a, a part of life. But I think I'm more grieved to think about the talents that went down with the people who died. And I thought about that this morning. I thought about how many people um, who are in the grave today. My dad died when he was just a year younger than me. I'm 34. I'm sorry, a year older than me. Um, he died in 1993, and he was 35 years old. It's hard to imagine that. And I think what I'm grieved most about is maybe not just having a dad, but I wonder how many things he brought to the grave with him. And, um, but I, can I tell you what grieves me even more? That every day I encounter people as a pastor and as a business owner. I encounter people each day who are living yet not fulfilling their purposes. Who are alive and have talents and have giftings, but yet have buried those talents and giftings that God has given to them. You know, it's difficult to overlook as I read this scripture the fury of the master's attitude towards this wicked servant who had one talent. And I want to draw a parallel really quick and then we're going to go somewhere. Is that okay? Is everybody okay this morning? Is everybody awake? Okay. There's a sim similar scenario whereby it's called the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. How many have heard it before? So we have this scenario of this gentleman with the one talent who buried the master's gift that he gave him, which was called a talent. But on the other side of the spectrum, you have this prodigal son who went to his father and asked for his entire inheritance and said, Lord, give me my inheritance. And he goes in what the Bible says, he spent it on riotous living. If I were to keep it PG version, he simply went out and just had fun and partied his money away. But yet his father sits at the window side with the curtains wide open, waiting for the day that his son would return. And when he returns, he kills a fatted calf and they celebrate. And he says, my son who was once dead is now alive again. Let's celebrate. There was absolutely no rebuke recorded in this scripture or in this parable. 
So you can imagine, I was shocked to hear that God would give such a sharp, sharp rebuke to this guy who simply wanted to honor the Lord simply because he was afraid. So he says, here, Lord, have your talent back. I didn't want anything to happen. I didn't want it to go to waste, so I preserved this talent. Yet he gets called wicked, and he gets, he gets sent to hell by trying to do the right thing. On one hand, you have this prodigal son who's a heathen, who simply asks for his entire inheritance, goes out, blows it all. On the second hand, you got this guy who's trying to just preserve his master's money because he's afraid of him, and yet he gets rebuked. Here's the revelation. At least the prodigal son had a revelation of his inheritance. What that says to me is that God would rather you make a mistake in faith with the gifting that he's put on your life than to just bury it in the sand and not do anything with it. God will oftentimes reward you just because of your faith, believing, hey, God, you've given me this gift, now I've put it to use, instead of the person who says, hey, look, I know you've given me this, Lord, but I'm not as good as such and such, and we play cross-comparison with other people, and we're afraid to do anything with it, we're afraid to hurt someone or not enter the fullness of our purpose, so we do nothing with it, amen? And so that's the parallel between this two stories, and so I want to minister from a really close subject to my heart this morning, and it's called... The danger of playing it safe. I want you to look at somebody and say, don't play it safe. Come on, look at somebody. And if you don't have anybody, just kind of bother that person again. If you don't have someone on your left or your right, I want you to say, do not play it safe. There are several reasons, and there's five points I want to make this morning as it relates to this very subject. Number one. You have to be careful that you don't end up bearing something that you possess but do not own. I'm going to say that again. You have to be careful that you do not bury something that you possess that is in your possession, that is in your care, but yet you don't own it. Have you ever loaned something? I'm sure that you can relate to this. Have you ever loaned, whether it was a, a CD or a book or when I was a kid, I remember loaning bicycles and loaning my toys or, you know, trading cards or, or whatever it might be and, and loan my friend something. But then after an extended period of time, that person had it so long that they begin to think that they owned it. Has, am I the only person in the world who has loaned something to someone? And then after a year later, you're like, oh, I loaned this to so-and-so. But that, and you go in their house and you see it and you're reminded and say, is that mine? And they're like, no, I don't, I don't, I didn't get it from you. <laughs> has that happened to you? Well, this is the same thing with God. We are born into this world and we think we're our own. We think we're self-made, we're, we're, we're self-proclaimed, and we think that just because we have certain things and giftings in our life that we think we have the, um, sometimes I think we take the goal of not utilizing that gift, not realizing that you didn't give yourself that gift. It was God who ordained and placed that gift inside of you, yet we don't utilize it as if it's our own. Amen? Amen? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this, do you know that you, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's. That's talking about sexual morality, but if I were to, I can still use the context of, hey, whatever God has given me has come from heaven and come from above. The Bible said that he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. In other words, there is a gifting, whether it's five talents in your life or one. Each and every one of us are gifted by, some, by something from God with something from God to utilize for his kingdom and for his glory so that we could expand his name and make him known in the earth. 
And yet there are dozens of people who attend church every single Sunday morning. They attend church but are not utilizing that one gift that God has given them to make his name great, to serve their community, to serve their church, to honor and bless their family, or to uh, make their workplace a better workplace to be. And yet we are not our own. Look at somebody and say, you are gifted. You are talented. I remember in early in my life, this is going to be hard to believe, I'm going to share this. I may have shared it a little bit before. Um, you know, I just need preachers to just be more real. I just need them to be more real. And let me just tell you something, because I know so many of them. <laughs> I just wish they were more real, because I know them privately, and they're great men, but I just wish they would share more struggles from the pulpit to inspire the people to enter into their destiny, because speaking in front of people has not always been easy. When I was a young man, uh, my brother and I, Daniel, who's our project manager for our company, we were a part of something called the BNI, Business Networking International. How many have heard of that? It's a really large organization that's across the United States of America, all over the world. Well, I'd been a part of the BNI for about 10 years, but here was the deal. I agreed to pay it if Daniel would go and do our one-minute commercial. I did not want to speak, ever. I hated speaking. Because when I would get up, Daniel would say, hey, um, Donnie, I can't make it there this morning. I need you to be there at 8 o'clock. It felt like um, eating glass. That's what it felt like to me. I did not like getting up in front of people. As a matter of fact, I, um, I had moments and thoughts about becoming a pastor because I knew it would entail me standing up in front of people. And so... To make a long story short, the back of my pants would be completely soaked. My shirt soaked. By the time the one-minute commercial came up, you had to stand up for 60 minutes, tell them where you're from, what you do for a living, and what would be a great client or a reference for you. And um, so for years, I would do that for one minute. And um, I would be so angry with Daniel when I would leave the place. I would call him and say, I'm never going there again. I told you I can't speak in front of people. I want nothing to do with speaking in front of people. Stop putting me out there. Uh, if we're going to continue to do this, I need you to do it. Not knowing that God had a preacher plan. As a matter of fact, this struggle is still very evident. As a matter of fact, if, if I don't hold tightly to this microphone, you're going to see it laced with sweat. But I found this out early on in my life. Either I bury the talent or I expose it. And so you wouldn't know this, but one of the reasons why I struggled in school so much was because of social anxiety. With every blessing, there's a curse. But you know what's shocking to me is that there's so many people who have a gift and a calling, something that God has put in them, a talent that God has strategically placed at the beginning of time. He ordained the day that you would be born, placed a talent in your life, and yet they're existing in their life doing something that they're not called to do. Amen? And I thought about this phrase right here. God's gift to you is the talent, and your gift back to him is what you do with the talent. And so my gift back to God is come Sunday morning. 
is because I knew that God wanted me. And, and no matter how much I resisted, anywhere I would go, even though I couldn't speak in front of people, God would somehow put me in a position where I had to get up in front of people and say something, whether it was in the secular world or in the church world. Amen? My challenge to you all this morning is that, number one, I want to let you know that you are talented. I want you to say that. I am talented. I am gifted by God. I challenge you, whether it's one talent or five, to cultivate that talent and return it back to God as a gift to him. Number two, it's going to be a little bit slow for a minute, but we're going to get through this. Point number two, here's the danger in not utilizing the gift or the talent that God has put in your life. You will live in constant frustration. You will live in constant frustration. I can't help but think about how quickly Peter left his nets at the seaside after Jesus said, I want you to come and I want you to follow me. After years of being a commercial fisherman, he was a master at fishery. And yet when Jesus passed by, Jesus shows him a miracle, shows him how to catch fish. You would think that Peter would have just used Jesus' strategy for his company and told Jesus no. Have you ever thought about that? Peter's fishing doing what he thinks he's called to do in life, Jesus steps on the boat and says, hey, I want you to throw the net on the right side of the boat. And they caught so many fish that the nets were breaking. I would have just utilized Jesus' strategy and brought it to my business to prosper even more, but not so with Peter. You wanna know why? I believe that because Jesus knew intuitively and Peter knew that he would be constantly frustrated did he, if he had not taken advantage of the calling on his life. There must have been times that he was out there fishing at night and saying things like this. There has to be more to my life. There has to be more purpose to my life. There has to be more than working from just 8 to 4.30 or 9 to 5 job. There has to be more than this. There has to be more than just coming to church and clowning around and jumping around and clapping. There has to be more supernatural to my life if this God that we call Jesus is really real. There has to be more. Yet he left his nets behind. He left everything and forsook his whole external purpose and exchanged it for something that was divine. Why? Because he wanted to cultivate that talent in his life. Can I say this to you? Making money will not fulfill you. Discovering your purpose will. Just before I started this church, I had more money than I'd ever had in my entire life. We'd made a huge lump sum. I think our company did over half a million for our small company, which was wonderful. I was able to pretty much start another company, and I had a choice. Do I want to continue to build a life for Donnie Smith and a legacy for my family, or do I want to sow into something that has eternal value? What do I do with this one talent God had given me to do? And all it was was painting and preaching. I had two. Don't ask me to do anything else. If you want me to paint something, I can paint something. She said I can sing in the shower. <laughs> okay, I have three. <laughs> Michael Jackson, they keep trying to get me to do Michael Jackson. I'm going to make a change. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead, get up on the keys. No, I'm just kidding. I want to give you this example of this fish. I had a dream one night, and there's all these different fish of different shapes and sizes, some deep blue sea, some uh, freshwater, and they were all flopping on land. The reason I tell you that is 
My aunt had that dream as well. She just said, we'll talk about that later. I thought about this, that fish are amazing. And if you watch them, like I love watching the deep blue sea and that the series Earth, I love to watch how they're under the water, how they, how they hunt and how they fish and how they survive in their environments. It's a beautiful thing. But I thought about this. If you take a fish and take it and put it outside of the water, eventually it'll asphyxiate and it will die. Obviously, it's frustrated for about five minutes, but then eventually it'll die. It's flapping all around trying to get back to the water. And I think about how many people are living outside of their talent, living outside of their environment, and this is the reason why you're frustrated. So some of you are wondering why you're dying while you're living. It's because you're not cultivating the talent that God has put in your life. You're not utilizing the gift of God that he's put on your life. You're not walking out your purpose because you're more afraid to fail than you are to just get out there and utilize what he has given given you. Amen? If you value your comfort levels, somebody say that, if I value my conveniences over purpose, I will always be frustrated. If you value your convenience like this man with the one talent did, you will always live a frustrated life and live below your potential. I often go to SeaWorld. I love SeaWorld. I love what they do. But one of the things I'm not a huge fan of since I watched that documentary called The Blackfish is how they keep these thousands of pound whales in these little bitty tanks. And you can see how some of them are frustrated. That's why they don't get in the water with them anymore is because the individual ended up dying. Why did that happen? Because if you put something that's, that's not made for that type of environment or that kind of confinement, it will live frustrated. And the reason some of you are frustrated is because you've put God in a box. You've put your yourself in a box. You've devalued the talent that God has put in you when God is calling you to deeper things and to bring down the walls that you've created around your life and your situations so that he can use you for his glory and for his kingdom at your job, in your workplace, in your family, whatever it is, wherever your sphere of influence is, God wants to use that talent, whether it's one, two, or five. Look at somebody and say, use your talent. Amen. Number three, trying to get through this. I know I'm running out of time. The danger, the third danger is that you can become successful at something outside of God's purpose for your life. Isn't that dangerous? We often talk about falling into the traps of sin, the trap of adultery or the trap of pornography or the trap of the lust of money or some type of external sin, but nobody talks about being a Christian but not fulfilling the will of God. There are more people, I think, that are living as Christians and Bible-believing people who are living outside of God's plan than people who are living in sin. There are so many people in this room, you would be surprised if I, got, I, took a, I took a poll right now and said, how many of you know that you're living below God's perfect will for your life? You would be shocked. How is that possible? Give me a scripture, preacher. Well, let's talk about Moses for an instance. Moses in Egypt, he's called by God. He has this encounter. He's called as a leader, and yet he goes on the run for 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd, living below his potential, called to rule over an entire region, yet he's stuck on the backside of a desert. Got a family, got a degree. He got married, had kids. He's living his life, yet with a calling on his life for 40 years. You'd be surprised how many people who've been running from the call of God that is on their life for years. 
However, he doesn't say anything to Moses for many, many years. God is quiet. And I have a word for somebody in here. And you're wondering why God's not moving on your behalf and you don't feel like things are working for your life. Just simply go back to when he first spoke to you and then God will give you the rest of the plan. Go back to when you first had that burning bush, when God spoke to you and you go fulfill that and he will give you the next assignment for your life. That's for somebody in this room. This man with the one talent, maybe like Moses, he thought that if he was just quiet and he tucked away his pretty little talent in the ground and didn't say anything, he would get away like Moses did for 40 years. But can I tell you, just because God is silent doesn't mean he has revoked the purpose in your life. He has not revoked nor taken back the talent in your life. As a matter of fact, you know what the scripture says? That God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. In other words, you can't sin hard enough to take the calling of God off of your life. You can't run far enough to get God's calling off of your life. Why don't you just ask Jonah who tried to sail in the opposite direction? And God ended up sending a fish to swallow him to bring him to the very place that he had called him to. God will send storms in your life if you're running from him and you're not utilizing that gift and talent that he's placed in your life. God will send difficulty and allow hardship to come into your life just to simply get you to chase you back to where he's called you to be. He did it with Jonah. Why don't we not ask Jonah, how about Abraham who couldn't get drunk enough? Why don't we talk to Peter who couldn't curse enough? to get him, to get God to change his mind about Peter. Let's talk about the women, of well, of the women from the well who couldn't sleep around with enough men to get God's calling to be revoked in her life. Or how about we talk the apostle Paul? He couldn't kill enough Christians to detour the plan of God for his life. You can't sin hard enough to get God to change his mind. And this guy with the one talent, I often think as to whether or not he thought, I wonder if I can sin just enough or maybe bury this thing in the sand, deep enough in the sand, so God will forget that he has called me to do such and such. In Psalms 139, it says this, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. Behold, you are there. You can't run far enough from the calling of God to get him to change his mind. Point number four, is this okay? Others will fall short of their destiny. Others will fall short of their destiny. Here's the danger of burying the talent. There are people who will miss out on the God inside of you if you decide to bury or keep that talent buried in your life. My hat is off to Nathan Morris and so many other men of God who indirectly woke some things up and reawakened some things in my life. I remember if I had not attended that particular service, I was on a sabbatical unbeknownst to him. I've never even had a conversation with him. And I remember going there and I was looking to hear from the Lord. I was like, Lord, you know I'm frustrated. Business is going amazing, but I'm frustrated. There's people who need what I think you've put inside of me. I wanna help people. I wanna love people for the rest of my life. My destiny is to help other people reach theirs and it's limited working off of a ladder, Lord. Will you make a way? So I took a two-week sabbatical as an associate pastor and I went out to Ormond Beach, Florida and I heard this message. It was entitled, Do It Now. Do It Now. 
That's my word to you guys this morning. Do it now. Don't wait. You said it for 10 years. And Nathan said those exact words. And I remember them ringing in my head like a bell. He said, you've been talking about it for 10 years. You've been talking about it for 15 years. You've been saying, God, I'll serve you if you do X, Y, Z. And yet I didn't do anything with it. But that day I made up in my mind, there was about 10 confirmations that God had given me. And Nathan's more service was one of those confirmations. And I made up in my mind from that day forward, when I got back to that church and had a chance to talk to that uh, senior pastor, I was going to ask for his blessing to send me out because I was ready to bury, unbury that talent that God had given me and use it for his kingdom and use it for his glory. Others will fall short of their destiny if you decide to leave your talent buried in the sand. I want you to think about all the amazing things that have happened this year. I can't help but think about me uh, baptizing my mother. I can't tell you enough uh, instances of people coming to see me privately and whose lives have been changed. People's lives have been changed because of the leadership here. People's lives have been changed because you have financially contributed into what God is doing here at Ascension. Over the past year, all these little mile markers and miracles and little wonders that have happened, people have got healed, people have got set free, marriages have been restored, all these amazing things, all because somebody decided to, to say yes, and it was more than just my yes, it was their yes, it was the team's yes, it was your yes. People will fall short of their destiny and purpose if you decide not to reveal the God that's inside of you. Do not underestimate the power of your yes. I do have one more point. If I could just expound for one more minute, Matt, I want you to stay on the keys. There's a man by the name of Sam Martin who wrote a book called How I Led One, But He Led One Million. Sam Martin, if I'm not mistaken, he was at a school, I could be wrong, and he led this young man to Jesus Christ. This young man gives his life to Jesus. Little did he know by leading that one man to Jesus that that one man would touch the world. And that man's name is John Osteen. I didn't say Joel, it's the father, a little bit different. Holy Ghost fire preacher. Seen in America, all he established Lakewood Church. All because of one man's obedience to lead someone to Christ. You would be surprised at the little gestures that you do that change the trajectory of someone's destiny. All because you said yes. Somebody say yes. My brother Daniel, I will be forever indebted to him. He was sitting in jail facing 13, sorry, 30, 30, 30. Is that right? I just got back from Guatemala. 30 years as a habitual offender. And that encounter that I told you guys about a couple of weeks ago was when my brother was praying for me. Had Daniel not got saved and prayed for his brother, that little yes. And you know, my heart was so touched because I'm helping lead him in a Bible study. He doesn't come and speak in front of people. He's quiet. But he led me to the Lord. All these preachers that I mention and I quote, the books that I read were all referenced through him. 
I owe that all to my brother who, who has never stood on a pulpit and preached ever a sermon. But yet his one gesture, deciding to pray for his younger brother who was in sin, whose life was in shambles, because of his prayers, I'm able to help lead other people. Because he decided to unbury that one talent. Now maybe he couldn't preach, but he could pray and he could paint. He unburied that talent and utilized it to impact somebody else's life. Number five, and I'll close. You will never experience the true joy of the Lord if you do not utilize that gift that God has given you. You will never experience the fulfillment. You can have all the money. You can have the greatest relationship. But if you decide to leave those talents Come on, somebody reach forward. I'm talking about reaching forward. I'm talking about digging that thing up. I'm talking about utilizing that very thing that God has put in you for his kingdom and for his glory. And some of you work for churches. Some of you are doing something, but yet that's not the thing. That's just the thing leading to the thing. That's just the stepping stone. Just be faithful with the one talent. Amen? I want, you to, I want to read this with you as I close, and I want you to stand to your feet. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.